welcome back to Vulcan Hello, the incomparable Star Trek Discovery Flashcast. I am one of your hosts, Scott McNulty. I am joined by the uh, Saru to my Michael Burnham, I guess, uh, Jason hmm. Snell. I, I don't or know is it the other, other way right. around? Uh, uh, exactly. I don't know. How are you, Jason? Hello, Scott. And now, Scott, I know that we really need to get going because there's a ticking clock and there's not long before we have oh, to do the rest of the episode. But I really need to let uh, you know how much you mean to me and how much <laughs> I'm going to miss you when this season is over and Aww. how, you know, it's just been a great time. And I feel like I've opened my heart and been a part of uh, something special. And I'm going <laughs> to I'm just going to miss all of this. But uh, we should probably get going because there's also a ticking clock here and we need to keep it moving. <laughs> well, wait, I think I also deserve a touching scene where I tell you how much you mean to me and how great this adventure has been uh, and how I don't think it's the end because that's not how we are, Jason. We don't say no. goodbye. Also, we, we need to prepare for next week when we say goodbye to the New Mexico Tea Company, our sponsor. They're not oh. going anywhere, but the season's over next week. NMTCo.com. Uh, and uh, I just got a I just got a box from them earlier this week with a load of tea in it. Uh, so Ooh. that's really great. And you can go to nmtco.com slash TV, T-E-E-V-E, and you will get uh, a special discount. And you can still, there's still time to fill out that survey if you haven't yet. Um, and then we'll do some special, special incomparable game show during the off season of Star Trek Discovery. So thank you to them for sponsoring this whole season. Yes, go there and get your own tea it's load. Cheap. That's right. Get a box of tea. Get, get a box bunch of, of little shrink wrapped bags of tea like I do every so often. Drink it. Mm-hmm. Have a robot make it for you like Jason because yeah. he's fancy. Yeah, I don't want to get into it, Scott, but that really hurts. My bro- my tea robot broke today. <laughs> oh, no. Yes. I have a new tea robot coming tomorrow. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> serious business what i'm going to do tomorrow morning i'm going to use i'm going to use my old tea kettle like a monster mm. but oh, it has to be awful. done yeah i'm going to make tea myself the old what? way yeah that's, what? that's insane Ugh. yuck oh no so jason i will i will say uh maybe to, to lift your spirits um in this trying time thank you uh, of, of uh, your your deceased tea robot that all props to you uh because i thought uh, frankly, that your conspiracy uh, corner theory that the short treks uh, of uh, Runaway and uh, whatever, what is the one where they send Discovery, uh, what they're doing right now, but we find it again, uh, I forget the name of it, was all going to be tied in. I was like, I don't think so, Jason. Um, but you were right. Yeah, it, it, I mean, we'll, we'll see next week if we tie in the last bit, but it's hard to believe that a Discovery adrift on its own in the far future is not somehow related. Uh, that would be really weird if that was the one that wasn't connected. And that was Calypso. Calypso. But we Calypso, did get Runaway connected go. here. And maybe, you know, maybe they have a quick cutaway to sipping jippers on a beach somewhere. To <laughs> connect. Actually, I thought the thing, and I, this is my question is, so the short treks were made available to everybody who's a CBS All Access subscriber or Netflix, I believe. I, the mm-hmm. Netflix people got them too in the rest of the world. Um, they used the short trek in the previously on Star Trek Discovery. And my question is, is that cheating? Do they, do that, does that count? Because they were like little extra bonuses, but now suddenly it's previously on Star Trek Discovery. <laughs> there was a short trek. Did you see it? Well, it's still a, a, a Star Trek Discovery it's, thing. It's in the right? season two. It's one of the episode zeros that they've got in the <laughs> listing there. So I guess it counts. I just thought that was really funny and kind of cool. And I think it also is going to make uh, Star Trek Discovery viewers paranoid from now on. Whenever they're like, oh, here's a bonus <laughs> thing. It's fun. It won't have yeah. any connection to anything. And you can't but believe watch them. Watch it if you want or not. Whatever. It's not that big. It's just a, it's just a little cheap episode with Tilly and a girl who <laughs> is hiding in a box. And mm-hmm. uh, there's ice cream. That's it. It's not important. Yes, and I rewatched that, knowing uh, that that uh, the, the actress was coming back, and I said, "Oh well, they're gonna you know tie in. I should watch it again because I remember not really liking it all that much." Um, and I watched it again, and uh, I still don't really like it. Yeah. But uh, I'm I the character I feel is more interesting in this episode than sure. she was in that episode. <laughs> yeah, for sure, she's fun in this episode. I liked her, I liked her a lot. She's the engineering queen. Although there is a scene. 
late in this episode where they do one of those endless 360, um, nine, nine, <laughs> like around and around and around. And they're mm-hmm. doing like super intense engineering things. And it's Tilly and Stamets and Reno. And I keep thinking genius engineering queen is stayed on the ship. Apparently. Yep. Where is she? Why is she not part of that conversation? It's so weird. It was like, what? She's, if she's there, should she, she's a genius engineering person. Should she not be part of that conversation? But she's not in that scene. Where, she's maybe she's working on other things. Maybe she got know. like gets motion sickness when she's in a scene where the camera keeps swirling around endlessly. Well, Tilly did know. have that throw-off line where that she said that Poe was working on like siege engines or something. I don't know. So maybe she was uh, off working <laughs> right. on that. That's right. She's building a catapult somewhere else. Oh, that's right. Okay, a space catapult Fair. or a time catapult, maybe. Whoa! That uh, is. It, it does turn out that their her uh, brilliance and and uh, their planet being able to re- recrystallize dilithium crystals uh is used to recharge the time crystal or charge the time crystal so that they can use it uh, and that was a that was a nice little link that they that they made but scott we're forgetting the most important thing that happens in this episode and it's right at the very first scene which is um amanda brings sarek some soup <laughs> vulcan soup i imagine it's the same it's like plomique soup because yes. if we know anything about vulcan it's they only have one kind of soup <laughs> it is only logical you don't want to have too many soups no no we, have... we we find the best soup and then that's the only soup we ever have i think exactly. that menus on vulcan are very simple because it's like this has been proven that this is the the that's meal what, that you order at this restaurant <laughs> They don't even need a menu. You just go to the restaurant and they give and they, you they, the they, logical meal. Yeah, they start you with the plomique soup and then after <laughs> exactly. that they have the entree and every restaurant has their own entree and that's it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. it. Then you go that's home. Right. And dessert is illogical, so don't even bother. Yeah, that's right. It goes, uh, yes, it would not be logical to, to pack in extra calories at the end. Um, that's mm. just so, so human to think <laughs> of something like that. He's on a beach somewhere. I don't know. He's, he's at a beach looking at a... I thought, was that a signal, a red signal in the sky he was looking at or was that just Vulcan's one of Vulcan's sons. I, it was unclear. I don't know. I will say that obviously they're close enough to get to uh, the discovery before, <laughs> before the, the enterprise that is going as fast as possible, being chased by Leland's people. Uh, I thought that was doesn't a, make any sense. That was a little convenient. I mean, maybe the enterprise was getting there. Well, I was going to say using invasive maneuvers, but I don't think that's true. I think they were trying to get there as fast as possible. That was the deal. It was we'll, we'll right. get there as soon as we can. So I guess uh, yeah, that was that was. Oh, I, I'm going to shrug it off. I'll, I'll shrug yeah. it off. Well, it's most troubling to me because the Enterprise and the Discovery start at the same spot and then they diverge because the yes. uh, Discovery is jumping. Yep. Uh, and then Vul- the maybe the Vulcan ships just go faster. That's, that's so what I'm saying. I, I, this, this actually brings me to, uh, I enjoyed this episode a lot. Um, it's very exciting. Uh, I enjoyed it immensely as well. Okay, good, good. So we're, we're, we, we reach, um, I do have a complaint, and my complaint is this, which is, and, and Sarah and Amanda is a great example of it. If Michael Burnham is going to the future and never coming back, mm-hmm. then as the star of the show, boy, that's a big thing. Like, either we're ne- not going to see her anymore, or we're not going to see any of these characters anymore. Um, I get that you want to have everybody say goodbye, um, and, the, and the goodbye scenes are all very well written and emotional and very nice. Mm-hmm. The problem is... I don't believe for a second that anybody's actually saying goodbye to anybody else, <laughs> mm-hmm. even less than I did when I, they sort of fooled me in that they might have killed Saru, but there's no way that they're breaking this group up. Uh, it's not going to happen. And um, and because of that, what I feel is uh, Sarek and Amanda, did we need to trek, tr- to truck in <laughs> Sarek and Amanda to say goodbye, to ha- literally have them be like... Uh, you know, pop up the end of the episode saying, I know there's about to be a horrible battle here and you're going to disappear forever, but we needed to come and give you a hug. Like, it's a sweet scene. I just, it it just, on top of all the other goodbyes, it seemed totally unnecessary to me. Mm, it is a little bit of uh, the gilding the lily, right? The, it's just like, everybody gets their little moment. Well, we have so to have Sarah have and Amanda to, there. Yeah, they, do we? They need to be there. No, I don't think they really did. I'm, their katras are uh, mm, intertwined. That's true. Couldn't he it's just all do his, in the his long-distance mind meld and say goodbye to her? Also, uh, <laughs> nice, some nice dancing around Star Trek canon, because in, um, in Journey to Babel, um, 
the Spock and Sarek say that they haven't talked mm. to each other in a long time. And mm-hmm. so uh, in this one, it's like Burnham's point blank is like, Spock loves you and you need to support him. And he said, I will do that. But <laughs> at a distance as he requests, <laughs> which is very Gotta much go. like, I love my son too. But Star Trek canon requires me to keep my distance. <laughs> yes, we must leave. And Goodbye. let us never speak of this. If don't and I tell know Spock that Spock is here. just down the, Spock, like, I imagine, you know, reverse shot. Spock's walking down the corridor and he's like, eyebrow raise and then like goes the other way steps into That's a closet right. like, dad no. oh i'm not going down that nope. corridor nope nope anyway that was that was uh but i in general right there are there are a lot of goodbyes there are a lot of goodbyes under duress which is a, a, a thing this show does a lot where it's like there's a ticking clock in one scene literally right behind literally, them yeah mm-hmm. and they're like but let's stop for a minute to say goodbye and i'm thinking doesn't you know don't do you have places to be and i get it i, I just i think my complaint would be most of the goodbyes don't feel pressed for time. I would almost have rather seen them have to be hurried. And I can't really say everything that I'm feeling, but you know, this is really important. I know we've got to go, you know, we're doing it. Look like they make the queen walk with her ice cream. Right. But everybody <laughs> else true. just stops to say goodbye. And I feel like maybe if, if the goodbyes were tinged with the urgency and they didn't have enough time to properly say goodbye, I would have felt a little bit better about them. But it does feel a little bit like the show's like, Mm-mm, no, this is a big moment. We got to stop everything and we do the whole thing. And like Stamets mm-hmm. is trying to do engineering that has never been done before. And uh, first off, Hugh like shows up to like say, hey, how's it going? And then so. and then like, let's have a whole like conversation about our relationship here while while, I'm, while I've got five minutes to do something that's never been done before. Probably the best time to have this yeah, kind probably. of life-altering uh, conversation. Well, uh, my for that in particular, uh, I thought that was a good scene. I also kind of questioned mm-hmm. why they would be having this conversation. Uh, but then I thought, well, maybe they, they feel like they're all going to die. Yes. So they need to say it now. Yeah, uh, I think that's I do, it. And I kind of liked that. I mean, I, I find it sad that Hugh and Stamets basically are like, well, we can't. We're, we're, I'm, Stamets is, I'm going to respect your desire to move forward and I'm leaving uh, the ship and, you know, will not. And, and Hugh is going to go on to the Enterprise and yeah. they're, they're not going to be uh, a couple anymore. Really missed a moment there to drop Dr. Boyce's name, too, which I was disappointed <laughs> by because he is a mean bartender. It, it, it is true, uh, but I was hoping that they would be like, "No, we can we can make it work," uh, but they didn't, so that was fine. Nope, uh, <laughs> they can't make it work. Uh, and I, I will uh, agree. I did like that scene. Uh, so I I agree with you totally on what you're saying about no time, you know, restraints for all of these uh, tearful goodbyes, uh, except when uh, Burnham walks out into the the corridor and they're like, "Hey." Uh, we're all staying with you, Michael. Uh, and Michael Burnham's about to say oh. something, and Saru's like, "Whatever you're going to say is probably very I, I, nice and profound, uh, but we don't have any time for it." Is that, that wasn't that so great, and I just, I, I that was so good, and like I could have used a little more of that in the rest of the episode. Mm-hmm. That didn't buy my agreement with all the other ones, but I did think he was saying what I was saying, which is like, I am mm-hmm. sure you're about to give a great speech. We gotta but go. We gotta go. Yes, <laughs> and then, such a great uh, moment. The frustrating thing is that she's like, yeah, we totally have to go. And then she goes off down to another corridor and has a touching moment with Ash with Tyler. With Ash Tyler, right? Even though she's got a... At that point, I was like, does she go in the suit now or is that later? But she's got, <laughs> supposed to go to the bridge and what's going on? And it's like, mm, no, she's got to talk to Ash Tyler. Um, Scott, here's the thing. I I think people who I, I'm sure are out there who love the Ash Tyler-Michael Burnham relationship... Oh, oh. Um, I don't, I just am not feeling Ash Tyler. I never really have. I've never really thought he was that interesting. I thought the most interesting thing about him was that he was a secret Klingon. Klingon. Yeah, that's kind of his thing. Which they've kind of been like, no, but no, he's just a guy. And, um, and I have just, the bottom line is I've never really bought their relationship. I don't think they've got great chemistry. I think that that is the show really trying to make whatever the, uh, shipping name for Burnham and, uh, Tyler is Burler. Um, Mike Ash Ashel I don't know what it is I don't want to know what it is quite frankly it just doesn't work for me that relationship has never worked for me and so they have their moment and it's very well written and it's Mm -hmm. performed fine but I don't feel any chemistry and I I could care less it doesn't help that I watch these episodes with my wife who who hates Ash Tyler and, 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 and actually let out a little clap when we thought he had been stabbed in the chest to death by control. And then he reappears in the next episode and she's like, Oh, 
<laughs> she oh, was really him. Re- but so the, he doesn't have a lot of fans in my house but i don't, I don't know. know it was a beautiful scene but it's one of those things where i watch discovery and i enjoy a lot of it and then there's a moment with like tyler and burnham and their love that is forbidden and and special and all that and i'm like yeah nah you can do better yeah i mean he's 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 uh he's a handsome fellow but uh he's got the hair going i i yeah, yeah. but I, I i don't find him all that um interesting, interesting as a character either. and i honestly they were having this tearful goodbye and i was like oh great they're not gonna kiss because michael burnham knows you know this is not uh what she needs and uh she could do better than him but then they do and i was like oh really you have to yeah. do that. And the, obviously something important is going to happen with him next week, too, because when he's beaming out with, with Pike at the end of the episode, he says, basically, uh, I have to go to uh, my home planet. <laughs> and Pike's like, well, okay. And then they're they're off. So uh, he's obviously going to have some other weird Section yes. 31-y kind of thing to do. And I assume next he's week. going to... This will explain why we don't know of Section 31, because Ash Tyler's going to do something. Uh, one assumes that... Could be. Well, spoiler alert, they're going to win, I assume. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, then Ash Tyler is going to do something. Well, the Enterprise to, uh, is not going to be destroyed. We know that. <laughs> that is true. And let's talk about, speaking of the Enterprise, oh, we, we've been dwelling on kind of our annoyances uh, and people listening. Just know that we both really enjoyed the episode. Yeah. Uh, I, just, I just had to get that out. I just had to get that out. Sorry, sorry to everybody who likes Ash Tyler's hair. And I, I'm going to say, Jason, that uh, I am uh, currently in a hotel room by myself, and I watched this uh, on my iPad, and I said out loud, when they boarded the Enterprise and we saw the corridor, I said, oh my god. <laughs> the literal OMG happened. <laughs> I, because... <sighs> It looks so great. So and good. This is this is now. I am fully on board, Jason, with your idea that they need to have <laughs> uh, a CBS All Access show set on the Enterprise with Pike and uh, Rebecca Romaine as uh, number one, and uh, do it. the The bridge looks fantastic. The corridors, just sign me up. Yeah, they, I want it. They did a re- they did a redress. It looks like of it's you know maybe it's the Discovery Bridge or maybe it's that Shenzhou Bridge that they've used as some other ships as well. But it's so it's a Discovery take on the original Enterprise. But like the captain's chair, the chairs at the helm, mm-hmm. the uh, little pop up scanner. Uh, in in the in the helm control is there the mm-hmm. railings yes and stuff are right out of star trek uh the original the co- and they're orange <laughs> the, yeah well at which and Giorgio gives her her <laughs> orange really ooh she says which is great because uh, that's a nice commentary mode yeah i thought they really did i'm sure there are going to be people who will have lots of complaints about it but like for me it was like the perfect discovery take mm-hmm. on the classic enterprise which is you can tell it's the enterprise yes the costumes aren't exactly the same the bridge doesn't look exactly the same as it did in the 60s but it is it is recognizably their kind of like modern take on the look of of the original enterprise and it was it was a beautiful thing to see all those people in those outfits nice to see pike back in the and the outfit as well that was fun i liked mm-hmm. all of it that was the, it and and the sound effects somebody they just did a wonderful job uh, taking all of the old um, original Enterprise sound effects and using them. So once they pass through the tubes and they're on, which were neat, oh, the by tubes. the way, the little like they, they sync up the ships and they put out their little uh, docking tubes. That's not a thing we've seen before, I think. And that was kind of fun to see that everybody's going over. But as soon as they're on the Enterprise side, the background sound, the hum changes mm-hmm. and everything, all of the little door sounds and the little bleeps and bloops on the bridge. It's beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah, I, I I want to live on that oh, Enterprise, and they play the um, the prelude the, to the Star Trek theme, the mm-hmm. bo- boldly go where no man has gone before bit that is playing in the score as they walk on the bridge, which was also a beautiful moment. Yes, I, I and I, I I was as I'm sitting here, I'm thinking that I'm sure there are people who watch this and are annoyed because it doesn't look like exactly like the set from the 1960s yeah. uh, Star Trek sure. original series, right? Uh, and I'm just trying to think of how weird it would look if they had cut to, you know, Pike is on the Enterprise and we cut to an exact replica of the original series bridge. Yeah. It just would have looked wrong. <laughs> right. I mean, there there is some... I am I'm one of those people who believes that uh you know it's it's always about interpretation and that the, the interpretation of the 60s versus the reality that that you know you want to 
you you need to bring it up to today that what we're seeing is sort of through the eyes of a modern audience so it's the mm-hmm. same ship but we're seeing it through the eyes of a modern audience with special effects like you know it's got a touch screen panel for example and like yeah that's fine they make the joke about the holograms and how they always <laughs> use the flat screen and that's good but the idea is that if you saw the uh, original series enterprise today it wouldn't look like it did then because it's a tv show from today and not from 50 years ago and i'm Mm -hmm. okay with it i get that some people aren't it would have been fun to see the classic them build a classic version of the enterprise bridge but in star trek discovery in the context of star trek discovery it wouldn't make sense because it would look like a little like piece of cardboard (laughs) compared to the the set that they've got for the discovery and every other set of every other thing in the entire show (laughs) it's true and i will say uh it is clear, I mean, I don't know why I have to say this, but I feel like I have to say this, that the writers of Star Trek Discovery really like Star Trek, right? So They do. Uh, and, uh, which makes sense. <laughs> and my, I'm going, my point here is that they have the handles in the turbo lifts on oh, the yeah. Enterprise. The, uh, and I love that. The, uh, like the previous series, there, if you go through, there are always those writers that were identified as being like, Oh, this one's the Star Trek fan. Like, Ron Moore was like that. Mm-hmm. Manny Cotto on Enterprise was like that. The people who are like, oh, they, they really like Star Trek. And mm-hmm. I'm not actually saying that that makes you more qualified to write Star Trek, because some great Star Trek has been written by people who didn't care about Star Trek at all. Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, was written by people who didn't really care about Star Trek. They just wanted to make a good movie, and they mm-hmm. did their research, and they wrote a great movie, and they, they made a great movie. Um, but I will say that I would almost wager that there are more Star Trek fans involved in the writing of Discovery than of any previous Star Trek series. It feels like like the modern Doctor Who. It feels a lot more like it's a show made by fans who grew up to be TV professionals, whereas the 80s, 90s Star Trek felt maybe a little bit more like TV professionals who needed to do Star Trek. Not mm-hmm. not saying that they were bad, just saying that I, I, I get the sense of more like love of weird weird callbacks to Star Trek episodes. <laughs> like the fact Boreth is a great example, right? That is a sixth season next generation episode that has Boreth in it. Rightful air. And somebody was like I know where that they can they can put the secret Klingon baby. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> wow, of course, of course, wow, and, and so much a deep uh, original series stuff this season as well. Mm-hmm. That's been that's been great. So yes, they they they. This is a show made by people who love Star Trek, no doubt. Which is why I enjoy. I mean, I enjoy all Star Trek, but uh, Discovery. I feel like in season two certainly, and of course we have one more episode, so they could totally screw it up. <laughs> but this season so far has been, I mean, absolutely stellar in my opinion. Uh, you know, we had the wobble in the first season where they were trying to. It was clear they were trying to figure out. Well, we don't know what to do. We should go to the mirror universe. We still have this Klingon war. Lots of Klingon. Let's talk some more Klingon. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> And so I like the first season, but the second season, I think, has been a remarkable improvement on something that I already liked. And, so. and I can't, uh, you know, something for us to think about as the season ends, too. But, like, I don't know what it is about this season, but I felt like it has been so good at bringing in classic Star Trek lore while actually doing a good job of being entertaining on its own. And I think that that is a tricky thing to do. And that's often the knock on Enterprise is that... It got, you know, being a prequel, it felt kind of stuck in canon and had trouble. And that's been conventional wisdom is that it got stuck in the canon and kind of, you know, tried too hard when it was be like, oh, but it's the Borg, but we don't know it's the Borg or it's the Romulans, but we don't know it's the Romulans. Mm -hmm. And for whatever reason, I think maybe Discovery makes, requires people to reconsider that line of thought because here's another prequel. And they have completely embraced (laughs) the fact that they are a prequel to the original Star Trek and have done a great job with it. So I don't think the prequel thing is a problem. Like, you just have to execute. And Discovery is executed in a way that, sad to say, Enterprise basically didn't. It's true. And I feel like Enterprise also had this problem where it was trying to play with the canon a little bit. Uh, but it was a little hesitant. Yeah. Uh, and it also went the way of like, well, everyone, we have to assume that people know these things in order for it to work. And I feel like Discovery 
it still works if you don't know like who Captain Pike is or uh, what the planet is. But if you do, it just adds another level of sure. it. Like, you know, when Captain Pike in last episode was going to touch the time crystal to see his future, uh, the people who knew what his future was is like, oh, man. Do not do that. <laughs> uh, and the people who didn't were like, well, uh, that's probably not a good idea, but they don't know what's going to happen. And then they, I think it's still an affecting scene. Right. Uh, it's just not I as, agree. it doesn't have that extra layer. So once I again, I feel, I feel like I say kudos to the writers uh, fairly often this uh, season, but I'll say it again. Kudos to the writers. So you mentioned the time crystal. Um, we learn in this episode that although the t- act of taking the time crystal commits you to a path, apparently a, a, a timeline that you're you kind of committing it. to, <laughs> if you touch the time, time crystal after it's off of Boreth, it's still a weird time crystal where if you touch it or get near it or expose your mind to it, um, as they say later, your head explodes <laughs> and you see the future. And so Burnham does that at the beginning of this episode. And she has this vision of enterprise being like having a, a, like a torpedo or something lodged yeah. in its saucer and mm-hmm. them and being them being boarded by control and everybody dying and um that is uh, that is not what i expected but i think it's interesting and it provides there is a nice moment where she basically says stop and the implication there is um, I've seen this line of reasoning and it doesn't go well for us. So let's just change it up. Although I will point out that at the end of the episode, everything is still pretty much set up and Reno has a similar vision. Everybody, everything is still pretty much set up to be what Michael foresees, which is everybody dies mm-hmm. <laughs> and control yes. wins. So that's, oh, that's out there. But I liked, I liked that, that if you're going to do, if you're going to have time crystals. Um, this is an <laughs> interesting way hmm, you know they weren't they weren't my favorite introduction but if you're going to have them this is an interesting way to do it which is mm-hmm. you start playing it's the what one of our uh, listeners referred to on Twitter last week as creeping Doctor Whoism <laughs> into Star Trek it's like that's fair that's a fair point yeah, it's true. but well, I think it's interesting here where um, it, 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 it provides Burnham with a motivation for what she's doing knowing the stakes if they don't change their fate and it, it harkens a little bit to uh the orbs of the prophets from deep space nine so right? there's a time orb that you see mysterious visions but you can still uh, impact what's happening in the future so you know they're basically warnings there's less time we don't know at this point and i'm going to assume that there isn't some kind of intelligence behind the time crystal the time crystal is just interacting mm-hmm. with temporal radiation or something um so that's there's a difference there but i think it's the same kind of thing right yeah it's not it's not like weird kind of time travel and mysticism uh haven't been in star trek before because of deep space nine i think that's i think that's right and i saw somebody in our i think maybe in the incomparable member slack said they wondered if the the time orb was made out of uh, out of a time crystal and i was like (laughs) that's a great little retcon i love that like sure that's probably it they're probably related in some way at least it's the same kind of weird mystical time mineral kind of thing yeah <laughs> oh time minerals time minerals how, love them? Well, how do you say that going on i wonder <laughs> uh so interesting so they set up uh, there's a whole bunch of setup in this episode right they there's got the time crystal they need to take discovery uh they're going to destroy discovery because it has the the murder sphere uh data on it yes but they can't uh and i didn't i don't know why i didn't see this coming but uh i should have but the so the the murder yeah. sphere data has taken over discovery and is defending itself so uh, it, it cuts off the right. auto-destruct sequence. I, I anticipated ready. this because they, there was no way they were going to actually be able to destroy Discovery, right? Because it's the name of the show. Right. That was my theory. So I figured they were just going to say that. Although I like the moment that we get a couple times, we get a, we should have anticipated this mm-hmm. line. And I'm like, yeah, you, yeah, you really you, should you, have. You probably should there, have. There, yeah. if, if I've had a complaint over the last couple episodes, other than like the length of people saying goodbye, it's, it's the jumping to conclusions. And this happened last week where I was like, oh, the one thing we have to do, we have to destroy the ship. And uh, for speed purposes, for like narrative forward momentum, I think it's good. But Mm -hmm. I would really like these scenes to be a little bit more of like, well, what about this? We can't do that because, well, what about this? Mm, That's not going to work because, well do we so is blowing up the ship our only option everybody's like 
you know, I think maybe like anybody, mm-hmm. any other ideas. And instead, it's sort of like, no, this is the only thing we can do, which <laughs> I just, must do it. they do that a little too much where it's like, this is our only option. And it's like, have you worked through all the options? Because because <laughs> they do it, they have that moment where it's like the only thing we can do is then burn them to the future. But we're going to wreck the time crystal, which means she can never come back. And so we have to say goodbye. And I'm sitting there thinking, you just mentioned that the red signals are from Burnham in the future. Right. That implies strongly that Burnham has a way to communicate back in time, if not travel, in the future. So obviously there's more here <laughs> that you're not getting. And I, mm-hmm. it, it frustrates me that, that sometimes the characters are a little bit... Like, again, they apparently were not raised on science fiction time travel <laughs> stories, and so they don't right. know. But we know. They, ha- they have trouble with the whole temporal thing. They do. Yeah, that was my thing. I was like... Clearly, she. We know now. This this episode, we we were pretty sure, but we know now that the signals are from Michael. It's got to be right, uh, right. And so, uh, if she can send the signals, then this whole dilemma of she can never come back is not really a dilemma. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it doesn't really make any sense. I mean, sending signals may not be, may not mean she can come back. Maybe she can only send signals back. But it's one of Maybe those things where. Like, I, I would like some discussion about that. I would be like, I would right. like it to be instead of I am certain I won't come back, which is I think they're they're trying too hard, right? To to make well, this they want thing us to be sad because they and they want us to be surprised when she does make it back, which is mm-hmm. dumb again because it's this is what the show is. Right. She's the main I, character. I would rather they have played it as I don't know if I'm going to be able to get back. This looks bad. I'll see what I can do. I, I just wanted a line about like, well, I'll be in the future. Who knows? I'll see what I can do, but I might not be able to get back. But instead, everybody's like, nope, nope. She's never going to get back. Hey, maybe they invented time travel in the future. In fact, we know <laughs> from Star Trek canon, they totally did. But we don't talk about any of that. So that, that, that again, it frustrates me because I feel like the writers, I get they're trying to amp it up, but I just wanted a little bit more ambiguity um, a little bit more of the characters being like, we don't know what's going to happen, but we're going to try this anyway. And Discovery does not want to do that. Like Discovery wants it to be, I am certain this is what's going to happen. And the problem with that is that they're wrong. <laughs> and that was a mistake. But yes. oh well. Oh well. And well, and there's only so many times that you can do that to the viewers before we catch on. And we're like, wait a second. Hey, you've, done, you've told us that there's only one solution before. And yet... There was another there one. There was so. another one, and you didn't even think of that. Just be open to possibilities, man. That's right. I did like that Georgiou was like, uh, no, this is a dumb plan. Let's figure out something else. You're not going to be stranded a thousand years in the future yeah. or whatever. Georgiou, yeah, they're using her so well. So in this episode, she uh, she hates ice cream. Yes. That was good. She's like, this goo is terrible. Uh, but oh, also man. like, let's make a supernova and it'll, <laughs> oh, it'll, but it'll, blow, it'll kill a bunch of people in star systems. She's like, eh, well, and Michael's like, we're not doing that. And she, just, and she says, but I thought there were no bad ideas, which is, uh, that made me laugh. That's yes, every meeting. I enjoy uh, Captain Pike saying, that's a lie. And uh, Admiral Cornwall saying, that's a bad idea. <laughs> oh, that's so that's so good. And then at the end, um, we get that moment where as she's beaming um, Pike off, she's like, I'm actually a Terran from the Mirror Universe. And Pike's response is, what Mirror Universe? And he winks. Wink. Oh, my God. That was great. So there was good yes. use of Jurju as as comedy which is kind of funny right like that as as uh being annoyed by the orange on the enterprise and not liking ice cream and things like that that's great that's so good yes, well because she's she's a terran and so she doesn't really she's fitting in as well as she can but she can't help but uh not like ice cream and suggest uh casually causing a supernova yeah. and killing and there's a scene people is it with pike where they're walking down a corridor and they're like oh, you know we got to figure out what the hell it is about you know that you're doing <laughs> it's like really good it was like i don't even know how we why, why you're here and what, what what you are good for which is like yeah it is weird isn't it it is a little weird yeah well but you know she she has her uses it's she does a, she's just hanging she out totally does but it's just it's just kind of funny because it's such a weird role because she's posing as somebody she's not to do this and and things yeah that's that's all good it's all good stuff um, and i will say that uh while i think that there were too many goodbyes the scene uh where michael burnham has the vision of leland coming onto the bridge and murdering everyone and oh, murdering yeah. her at the end was uh 
very affecting it was uh i did not care to see all those characters die no no it it, it seeing that before we see the goodbyes i thought was a very clever and effective way to write that that episode that mm-hmm. we know these people now this season has made it much easier for us to understand who these characters are then we see them all die horribly which is sad and then we get to see them all say goodbye and actually wedged in there too is pike has his big moment at the end which Actually, of all the goodbyes, even though the clock is ticking right behind him as he's giving a speech, <laughs> literally, um, it is such a good, th- that one feels like a goodbye that is earned in the sense that I assume, you know, that, that th- canon wise, you know, plus we know that Anson Mount was signed to do a year, right? right. He's not coming back. Uh, you know, if he's coming back, he's coming back as a guest or whatever, or, mm-hmm. or that maybe they'll, if, if they're listening to my prayers, they will make that <laughs> Star Trek show with... Uh, the Enterprise with Pike, but um, that feels very much like Anson Mount as Pike saying his goodbyes for the season. He spent the season with the crew. They were on mm-hmm. edge and burned out from from uh, their previous captain, from Lorca, um, and he came on board to take temporary command. And this speech at the end, that is the payoff, which is he's gotten to know them. He's gotten to respect them. They respect him. The Discovery is more functional as a ship. Like, And, and that goodbye was, I, I felt like, necessary and earned because that's Pike's big moment. Uh, back on the bridge like he was in episode one of this season and and i love that they all stand and you know stand at attention which is basically the equivalent of a salute and that Mm -hmm. he he then responds and then and then kind of nods and walks off the bridge so so good like that so that was a goodbye that i really liked I like that goodbye as well. Uh, and I like that he uh, had a little uh, nice thing to say about every character. Yeah, that yeah, because nice. he knows he's learned who everybody on the bridge is, too. <laughs> it's not right. just us. He is, yes, he's, he's been going along with us yeah. and learning who these people are. Now, he, he does leave Saru hanging in terms of oh, making him yes. the captain, and which I guess well, is not his job, technically. <laughs> Um, but well, was it, it was that Saru's uh, request though? Because he was like Captain Pike's like, all right, well, there's an, we need another captain, and then they go to a break, uh, and uh, you think, oh well, Saru is going to be captain, yeah. and uh, Pike is like, I got to go, let's uh, deal with this administrative detail, uh, and Saru says, well, maybe we should wait, we'll just and, uh, we'll figure it out, we'll figure it out when later. when we're done. I mean, he is the first officer, so he would He's be the, acting, captain. he would be the acting captain regardless, and I'm not sure Pike has authority over you know, a thousand years in the future wormhole <laughs> captaincies anyway. Well, we'll have to check the Starfleet well, manual to yeah, see. Yeah, I'm who, sure. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. That's probably regulation 32, section three, general mm-hmm. order five. I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah. But so what did you think about all of uh, Michael Burnham's friends? there saying, you know, we are not leaving you. We're going to stay uh, and go to the future with you. So um, my first thought was somebody's got to fly the ship. So somebody's got to stay. That was my first thought. Is is the discovery? What are they going to autopilot the discovery through a wormhole into the future? Like that's what they said. That come on, like that's come on. <laughs> that's I don't. I just don't. I don't believe that. So uh, I thought like that's reasonable. I thought that it is an echo of what Pike said last week, which is this is what I believe in. I'm not going to stop now because it's inconvenient. So they're they're kind of reflecting Pike's sacrifice that he made um, last week. And, um, and I will say from a series continuity standpoint, I think it at least puts out there the possibility that they won't come back to the same time and place. Mm-hmm. Um, Spock saying he's staying puts the kibosh on that a little bit, but you never know what might happen next week, but at least it puts it out there. Like it's not Michael going alone. I, I think that's also good because I kept thinking, well, you know, you're going to take a one way way ride to the future and then there's going to be your ship with you, but like nobody's on it. And you're, are you going to go and drive it yourself or something? Right? Like, so <laughs> I, th- I think it was a necessary, it, once they did it, I was like, well, this is not only nice of them, but it, it makes sense that that right. some people should be on this ship and michael burnham wouldn't even so their their theory now is that so she had they created a time suit and she's gonna use it to open a wormhole and yeah. jump into the future some indeterminate amount of time probably a thousand years if that short trek is uh, our indication um and uh or maybe less than a thousand years because they find it at a thousand years so who knows but anyway it doesn't matter uh 
And she assumes that she's going to be separated from the ship and end up possibly where her mother is for some reason. Um, and then the crystal won't work because it'll be out of juice. So I, I, I guess she'd just be stranded on that planet where the, the church people were saved to, uh, is her theory. I don't right. know what she's basing that on. but <laughs> Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure either. And, and you know, we'll, we'll see what happens next week. I, I still have a bunch of open questions about exactly how they're going to resolve all this next week because there's so much complexity in what they're doing which i think i think they learned as i've said before on this podcast i think they learned their lesson from last season when they had all the data you know all the information eight episodes in advance and everybody figured it out immediately mm-hmm. that they yep. they are trying to play it close to the vest in terms of not giving you a lot to work out uh what happens next week and then the beginnings of the episodes have been more effective in sort of setting up here's what the the challenge is going to be for uh Mm -hmm. for this episode and then they watch it play out so i don't really know other than my wild theories about um the fact that we saw a short trek where where discovery is in the future (laughs) sitting around with an ai on board for a long time those seem to be themes that are very germane to what we're Mm -hmm. seeing here but how that might happen and exactly how it ties in and what's going on in the future and and uh you know whether that solves this issue what's ash tyler doing can burnham Mm -hmm. get back can the discovery get back all of that is still uh you know still to play for uh, which I, I like. I like. Yes, not and that knowing we'll find out. I suppose. Yes. I, yeah. I, I, I have no idea how they're going to do it. Yeah, which is great. It is great. There is no secret Klingon, which we called fairly early, so uh-huh. <laughs> which was sad for them. Uh, and we should give uh, Tilly a shout out. She has a couple of good uh, lines in this episode. Uh, so uh, hooray for Tilly! Yeah, she uh, she was gone basically the last couple of weeks. So it was also mm-hmm. I, I found myself missing Tilly, and I was happy that she came back and she gets to she do funny things, but also Poe in her interactions with Poe. Um, Poe has that moment where she says. Um, you know, no, you really helped me. You make jokes, but you really helped me. And that's, what's going to make you a great captain, which was really mm-hmm. nice. Yes. And, and Poe like- and, and Reno likes Poe too, which was, uh, <laughs> which is good. I like you. Oh, I like you too. Um, that's to which that's when Giorgio says, good. We're friends now. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, that's how it works. <laughs> no. And I, yeah, I like when uh, they have to go to Zahira and they're like, well, what's there? Uh, and, and Tilly's like, oh, uh, there's a bunch of dilithium. And also, I know the queen. So uh, yes. let's uh, give them a call. <laughs> that all happened at a time when nobody was on the ship for some reason or and paying she, attention. And, and she never told anyone, which no. I think is also weird. Yep. Yep. A little bit. A little bit. <laughs> That, they, 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 they finessed that a little bit. And I was like, yeah, that was a thing that happened at an indeterminately earlier time. And nobody really saw it except me. And, and I never told anybody. Yeah, that seems weird. Unless one can, ass- our head cannon can be that Tilly thought uh, Poe would get into a lot of trouble. Yeah. And so she didn't want to tell anybody that, that's, about that's, it. That's my head cannon is that she, she just, uh, you know, did a, a favor for her new friend and, mm-hmm. uh, and but still the Zahaya comes up and she's like oh i know the queen <laughs> so, <laughs> really yeah mm-hmm. we're buds uh it's complicated she was in yeah. a box anyway right. she'll be happy that she, she doesn't have to ride a cargo pallet and kevin pike's like what and she's like oh nothing never mind nope. <laughs> never mind. mind nothing to see captain yep, yep. <laughs> And the, uh, I enjoyed the scene where she uh, beams on, uh, Poe beams on, and Captain Pike is like, you know, welcome, Queen, and says her name correctly, and uh, she runs over Tilly. And uh, when he does get uh, a chance to say her whole name, she's like, "Oh, you're good." <laughs> that was that was good. That's like that's part yes. of the captain's job to do stuff like that. Good job, Captain Captain Pike. Uh, we we've talked about Anson Mount and how <sighs> great a job he's doing, and he is literally kind of like your. In the best way possible, like your model Starfleet captain is Captain Pike, Anson Mount's Captain Pike. Uh, and he, he's just, he does everything the way you're supposed to, which is a great counterpoint to uh, Captain Lorca, who uh, was not. Yeah, the, I, I actually wrote down in my notes, and this is word for word, good lord, Anson Mount is good and well written. And I think it's both mm-hmm. those things. Like, part of it is he just, I mean, what a great performance. I love his Pike um, really brought some weight and some humanity 
to Star Trek Discovery in, I would say it's Hour of Need, where it was like how, stabilizing this um, in the it, with Jason Isaacs leaving, having him come in and provide this kind of like benevolent leadership without getting in the way of our other characters. Um, also, the writing, though, I want to say like that speech he gives at the end of the episode is so good and could and, and, and it is well written and it could have gone really badly and Anson Mount just is it kills it and I think there's some synergy going on there some symbiosis where the writers have seen his performance mm-hmm. this season and then write that speech knowing what he could do with what it. he can do but yeah. it has been like the highlight of the season really is just how great Anson Mount is as Pike so good yeah, and, and then to to reiterate your point about the writing, I mean, the character as and the way they're treating the character is just make, adding, as I said earlier, another whole level to this caf- this character that, you know, Star Trek fans know and has been kind of a mystery for mm-hmm. a long time. Uh, and so they are playing on our knowledge of his, his horrible future, uh, especially with the time crystal. And even in this episode, he has a moment where he's talking to Michael Burnham uh, about how, you know, you don't necessarily want to know what the future holds for you uh and and that means a whole lot coming from him since in the previous episode he knows exactly <laughs> he what knows, the future holds yeah. for him <laughs> sometimes and it's yeah, not good sometimes we know sometimes we don't i don't know which is better she says but mm-hmm. I, I burnham does say that she wishes she has pike certainty pike says you know these signals were meant for us and so it's the sort of like go with the signals go where the mm-hmm. signals tell us to go i'll point out that there are um two signals yet remaining right Mm-hmm. So that's also interesting going into the last episode. So that's another potential twist to all of this. Um, Where will they take us? Yeah, exactly. I'm assuming uh, the Gorn will show up for some reason. <laughs> okay, sure. I'm putting my money on Gorn, Jason. They're going to solve everything. The Gorn, yeah. Well, they do. They usually do. Put a Gorn <laughs> give to give him a rock. Say so go over there and hit that guy with that rock. They're great mm-hmm. at that. They solve it. That's right. That's, that's right. how you. You, yep. you fix control, you throw a rock at throw, it. That's right. If we only had known to just throw a rock at the computer core, it would have solved everything. But no, it, it, I'll leave no. it to the Gorin to solve everything. They're problem solvers. So, so where are we at the end of this episode? Like all 30 of the Section 31 ships, because as we established last week, Section mm-hmm. 31 just stands for how many ships they have. Yes, not imaginative. Are have surrounded uh, Discovery and Enterprise in a and ring I will say, in a two dimensional ring. ring. Yeah, I was going to say you're not because what? Who? I think Michael Burnham says, "Oh, we're surrounded," and I thought, "Just go down that's or up." The, such yeah, you, it's a three dimensional thing. That's uh, you know, Khan didn't understand yeah, that. Come on. <sighs> Uh, but anyway, yeah, they're surrounded. I guess uh, they are surrounded in one dimension, so it is sure. technically accurate. Uh, and yeah, that's the big cliffhanger. They all appear, and uh, oh no, Control wants to blow them all up. Prepare for battle, and it's the Enterprise and the Discovery against a whole fleet oh, of man. Section 31 ships. It's exciting. I will say this. So we had our quibbles uh, with this episode, mostly because, uh, like you said, Jason, it, it suffers the from long the long goodbye. <laughs> the long goodbye with the ticking clock that everyone <laughs> conveniently ignores. It seems to pause whenever you need to have a dramatic goodbye. Uh, but I will say, it was very exciting, this episode. There were moments where, I, as I said before, I'm in a hotel room by myself and I said out loud, oh my God. So that's that's a good sign. Uh, that is a good episode of Star Trek, I think. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It was very exciting. The tension is escalating. That's part of my frustration with the goodbyes is that the tension is escalating and then they stop to say goodbye and I'm like, no, no, no you have to go. You. you have to go faster. It's, there's ser- your little serious goodbye. business happening here. <laughs> but it was good. It was, it was uh, I, I, I don't know. You know, it was just that that countdown clock kept getting to me. But it was it was a very exciting, uh, lots of stuff going on, um, solving problems. Mm-hmm. The, the sense that the, your enemy is right behind you, and you know how are you going to try to come up with a solution that will get you out of this problem? Um, because you can't run forever, and uh, you're gonna have to face it. So yeah, yeah. Yeah, and this episode, I mean, it just just occurred to me, one of the things I think is a constant theme of Star Trek, there are two things, right? Uh, teamwork, 
uh, is how you solve a problem. You get a group of very competent people together, and you can solve any problem. Uh, but when you can't, personal sacrifice is the way to do it, right? And so this episode has that, where they're trying to figure out the the time crystal thing, and it's not charging fast enough. And uh, you know, they have that scene with the the swirling camera, and uh, Reno says, "Well, we have to, you know, take down the the buffer thing that's." keeping our heads from exploding with time juice. Uh, and so she does it. She tells everybody to leave. Uh, and she kind of sacrifices. Well, I don't know if she's going to sacrifice herself or not. But the implication is she is sacrificing herself to speed up the the time crystal recharging. So uh, it hit those notes for me as well. So hooray. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was good. It was really good. All my, all my complaints aside, uh, very exciting. I'm a little worried about uh, how they're going to wrap it up in one episode. <laughs> But, yeah, that's um, troubling. Yeah, th- that's th- that. You know, I was kind of hoping the preview for next week would have been like next week in a special ninety-minute episode <laughs> of Star Trek Discovery. Yeah, I, I have no. I mean, I'm not. I have a track record of not really being able to figure out how they're going to solve these things. Uh, but this time, I don't even have any the faintest idea how they're going to wrap this up in one episode. Uh, that will be satisfying and lead to the next season. So I, I, I'm interested to see what they do. Also, ooh, uh, photon torpedo sound effects. OMG. Yeah, so so they have uh, exciting, big, I think, modern photon torpedo sound effect when you're outside the ship. There's like a... Inside the ship, it's the TOS sound effect. <laughs> Which is great. That was really good. <laughs> yep. So that the rest of the podcast, we're just going to make a uh, little uh, sound effect. Yeah, we're just going to... Uh, <laughs> Ooh, Captain on the Bridge. Yeah. So you could... Uh, this is uh, what, ASMR? Is yeah, that what that that's is? what it is. Did the podcast end and neither of us are, is aware of what happened. <laughs> so onward to next week, I guess, for us. And uh, we will be... So to, here's a, a listener's alert. Ooh. We try to do these at, at right after we see the episodes on Thursday night. Mm-hmm. Next week's episode will be a little bit late, and I know that it's, people are screaming, no, but <laughs> I am on an airplane when next week's episode drops. <sighs> Poor planning, Jason. It is. Well, I blame my brother-in-law who's getting <sighs> married, oh, <laughs> so we have, to, we have to go to that. And so Marriage ruins everything. By the time I land, you will be asleep, even Night Owl <laughs> of Scott McNulty. So we will, on Friday, as soon as Scott is home from work, probably, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. we will find a time on Friday and friday evening ish we will get that episode out so you may have to wait a day but that'll allow us to gather our thoughts a little bit maybe and spend a little time talking about the season as a whole as well which might be good so uh for people who are who are used to this episode dropping on thursday night um we'll be we'll be late less next week sorry about that but it, it has to be done because be i'm not gonna let it go twice. i'm not gonna let it go scott i'm not gonna say scott find somebody else talk about the season finale of star trek discovery without me no i say no no you said, well, they, I was going to call up Anson Mount uh, oh, and, and have him get, come over. If you can but. get Anson Mount, you should just do it. <laughs> That's great. But he's going to make you cry because he's so good. He will make me cry. And Jason, you never made me cry. No, so. I'm not that good. I'm not as good as Anson Mount. There's no, no way. I mean, you're good, but you're not, not that, that good. Not Jason, Anson Mount good. Mm-hmm. No, I'm not Anson Mount good either, mm-hmm. to be clear. That's true. Fair, few are. Few are. <laughs> yeah, it's true. So Anson what I'm Mount. saying is nmtco.com slash TV. Mm-hmm. Thank you for sponsoring. And uh, you can get a discount on tea by going to that That's website. Right. They are the Anson Mount of tea companies. Wow. High praise. Mm-hmm. I meant it 100%. Mm. Orange. Ugh. Oh. <laughs>